Welcome, everybody, to the Film Alchemist podcast, the show where we take apart the movies we love to find out what makes them magic. Joined, as always, on my journey through water and science, uh, my friend and co-host, Deepest, bluest, my hat is like a shark's fin. There Deepest, it is. bluest, my hat is... There sorry. it is. Had to do it once. Alex L.L. Dandino. Dandino. <laughs> L.L. Dandino in the house. <laughs> I knew. I, I knew this is a thing now. We're doing we're doing anticipation, taut anticipation. It was it was really I mean, this one in particular, I really needed to do that because what we are about to talk about is such an important movie that makes up my life and a part <laughs> of the things I love. Also, if you're doing a shark based music, it's like Jaws, Deepest Bluest, uh Land Sharks by Jimmy Buffett. There's not a lot. So when you have one, you have to you have to embrace it. <laughs> Uh, okay, so let's see. Deep Blue Sea, 1999 horror action. Uh, more action than horror. IMDb rates this movie a 5.8 out of 10. Pretty solid. Yep, pretty good. Rotten Tomatoes even. Normally the one that I have to scold. 56%, so solid. Hmm. Should be 80, but whatever, it's fine. Uh, so let's see. This is a movie essentially that boils down to Frankenstein on the high seas. Yes. Uh, this is man not just fighting nature, right? So there's the the theory. I can't remember who said it first. I think it was Stephen King, right? That there are three horror movies. And that is Dracula and Frankenstein and Jekyll and Hyde. So it's man versus himself and his beastly nature. Man versus science and man versus the supernatural. This one is nature and science. Yeah, this one's two we out of the three. We use our science to create a more terrifying version of something that we would already be afraid of in nature. Right. So uh, I believe they are Mako sharks, not great whites. Maybe they are great whites. I can't remember. But yeah, that way. fucked me up when I was rewatching it. I was like, wait, they're not even the best kind of shark. So they are <laughs> They are Mako sharks. They're huge. And uh, it's noted towards the beginning of the movie, like, oh, why are they so big? So essentially... Also, all-star cast, beginning with the lovely Saffron Burrows, uh, the movie begins in a... Uh... Wait, 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 wait. Before you get there, we have to talk about the real, the cold open of the movie. The cold open of the movie is one of these things I see in movies all the time, and it drives me fucking insane. Uh, so it's two couples on a boat, oh, yeah. anchored somewhere in the ocean, a boombox... And two couples, presumably, who are just about to start fucking in each other's presence. For sure. I've never been on a double date where it's like, oh, maybe, hopefully I'll get to see my friend's balls slapping someone else's ass. <laughs> well, it's about the... The, the double date, uh, double sex in, like, the same room and area. Uh, I see it. I would hear about it. You'd see it on, like, high school movies and college movies a lot. Never done that in my whole life. Is this something you have partaken in? Oh, I mean, I think you know me better than anyone, and I'd say, no, it is not. <laughs> You're like a never nude. No. <laughs> having having said that, having said that, uh, in my line of work, I have seen people. I haven't seen anyone fuck in on the high seas, but I certainly have seen people have sex in the same room before. So, so you're uh, saying, based on the restrictiveness of the boat. You just got to do what you got to do. Hey, man, sometimes you just got to get it done. If you think you're going to get laid, you get laid. And especially in this kind of movie, you're going to get laid. Also, by the way, those people would be freezing cold on that boat. Absolutely. But yes. There's no so, way they're doing a double bone. So, it just, it's, it's one of those hard punches. I couldn't jump into the raft of disbelief, right? 
So I, it took me out for a minute. And so then when the shark the, attacks, I felt like it was a justified punishment absolutely. Uh, from decency. Very important <laughs> note about this movie. Anyone who does wrong will die in this film. Absolutely, unequivocally, 100%. That's how it works. I, yeah. That so is what it, one of the benefits the cool of thing, DPC. Right? Yeah, we start with the, the double fuck date, shark attack, and then we, st- we get introduced to just the most manliest macho character. Like as the shark is swimming towards the boat, Thomas Jane just harpoons it and holds it. Like he is all that is man. A very likable Thomas Jane who never wears anything with sleeves the entire film. It is an almost no shirt period. Yeah. For most of (laughs) Thomas Jane's character in this movie is superb. Thomas. I I love characters like this that just are not things in the real world. Yeah. But that every man sees and you're like, God damn it, I got to step my game up. (laughs) Thomas Jane's character in this movie, if you haven't seen it, is the precursor to Chris Pratt in the Jurassic World movies. This is the model with which he uses. It's the ranger guy who loves animals more than humans character that essentially tells you, hey, we shouldn't be doing what we're doing. And then it ends up being a terrible idea, of course. I feel safe with sharks. We know the food chain. Unlike you human snakes in the grass. Right, exactly. No, but like here's a great intro to Thomas Jane's character, right? Who's probably the worst snake or shark wrangler I could imagine. Oh, hands down. This is one of those, the ends don't necessarily justify the means. (laughs) Because here's a prime example of Thomas Jane in this movie. So they have the shark up in a net. He looks at the shark. He says, wow, it has a license plate in its mouth. Okay. Okay. Whatever. They put the shark back in the water. Thomas Jane just gets in. And we think this is maybe one of the smart sharks. This is a normal shark. Right. He sits there and pretends to be a helpless little seal. When the shark dives at him, he does an underwater barrel roll that's somehow faster than the reflexes of a shark, grabs it by its fin, then, you know, canoodles his way up to pull <laughs> the license plate out of the shark's mouth. Yes. And I'm sitting there. I'm like, that's so badass. Like, that guy's going to get all the ace. He's doing so good for himself. But then you dawn, you're like, wait, why didn't you just pull the fucking thing out of its mouth when it was up in the cargo net a minute ago? And that's because I'll never be the kind of man that can do something so great. (laughs) I have the perfect explanation, though, as to why that was how this was done and not the other way around. There is one name that pervades over this entire film that everyone should remember, and it is Rennie Harlan. Rennie Harlan is the director of this film. So anytime you're in a situation where you think logic will dictate the action, you are emphatically wrong, my friend. This is the guy who directed, I believe, uh, Die Hard with Vengeance. Uh, If you're a fan of his later work, The Covenant uh, with uh, Bucky. And then uh, also, uh, I believe, uh, Driven with Sylvester Stallone, where everyone's a race car driver. I don't get your point. These all are classics. They These are instant Criterion level classics. They might be Criterion Collection classics. However, they do not follow the rules of logic and or physics on a regular basis, which is an important aspect of this film because there's a lot of stuff that happens in this movie that absolutely follows no protocol of human nature whatsoever. I think Thomas Jane is playing the odds, right? Sure. He's like, what are the statistical chances I'll die? Very low because I'm a badass, no shirt wearing guy. Right. Right. But he's like, how many percentage of men and women will want to sleep with me when they see me pull this license plate trick? That's just simple math for a young, virile man. It's true. A young, virile. So, yeah, so, so what the scene before 
before we see the greatest feat in shark taming ever. Uh, so we find out that the shark that escaped came from this water base, right? Where they're doing scientific research on sharks. Right. Um, Samuel L. Jackson's a top shareholder. He wants to shut it down. The scientist makes a plea. Saffron Burroughs, who's the lead yeah, scientist. Yeah, if you come with us, right, you'll see. We can cure Alzheimer's. What do you think the value of that'll be? Right. Give us one weekend, right? So now we've set up the game of rushing science. Because then we get to the ship and we meet the world's greatest shark tricker. Thomas Jane. And then we meet, we meet our colorful cast of characters, right? A lot of great actors in this one. Which is, let's see, Smoking Stellan Skarsgård. Uh, I don't know the woman's name. Janice, Janice from Sopranos. Janice from the Sopranos, who's like the just radio dispatcher. Michael Rappaport with a goatee, which is probably one of my favorite characters in the entire movie. Uh, his name should have been Michael Rainman Rappaport. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely too much pressure. Definitely too much. pressure. And then of course (laughs) the hero of this story, LL Cool J as Chef, and I'm pretty sure that's his name in the movie. They don't give him an actual name. They just call him Chef. No, isn't it priest? Is it priest? It's priest. Remember, because he's always preaching. That's right. Okay, he's in sorry. love with God. It's priest or preacher. Yeah, you're right. Sorry. This is an important thing about this movie is the only guy who the only guy who actually is dictated by logic in the movie is the one who doesn't have a real name. He's just given a nickname. Which and is, a parrot who talks shit to him about how big his ass is. So he's also like... <laughs> So it's like mildly racist, but also at the same time, just like you don't want to ever have to know this guy's real name. I don't understand. <laughs> it. Yeah. So but that's what I mean. It's a colorful cast of characters, some good actors. And then Skarsgård, right? He has to bring that that sad European depression into right. it. But he, while, while smoking, skipping, while, while smoking in a super pressurized underwater laboratory. Right. After we learn that he pees into the wind. Right. Samuel L. Jackson, tremendously unimpressed. <laughs> So he lets us know how we're skipping a lot of science, right, to get to the point. Right. Uh, Thomas Jane brings this up, right, that these sharks are pack hunting. There's something extra here. You're reading too into it, the lady scientist says. Right. Right? So this is one of those. And then she lays out the, the whole movie, right, which is if we don't take this shot, right, safety precautions be damned. If we don't take this shot, it's all over. Right. The whole fucking thing is over. Which to me is just so fucking funny, right? Cause it's like, why not? Why does Samuel Jackson come there? Just send him a file. <laughs> send him an email yeah. like, yes, we can cure Alzheimer or no. It's I such mean, a- also, the leap, right? They must have had some kind of testing that was already proving this. Whatever. But anyways, it's, it's a fine setup for a movie, right? right? So now we've got our basic ingredients. We've got the pressure cooker, which is the Aqualab. We've got our fun cast of characters, and now we've got our uh, science be damned. We have to take this shot. Right. The important thing about the movie, and particularly the plot and keeping it moving, is that what they do very early on is tease you and then completely bury the lead on a regular basis. Because when... When you realize what's actually going on, you're too far into the movie to go, oh, fuck this and walk out because you have to finish the movie what? because uh, you're like, this is absolutely insane. I have got to finish this. 
because Thomas. I J- think it. This makes it sound like we don't like the movie. I love no, this movie. Not at all. I want to point out. I love this movie, but this is a really important aspect of watching the movie. Is at the beginning, you're gonna if you haven't seen Deep Blue Sea before. At the beginning, you're gonna be very curious, like what the fuck is going on. Then when shit starts going off the rails, eventually you're gonna get to the point where you're like, what the fuck is actually happening? <laughs> And then <laughs> Saffron – and what's funny is, like, the audience is essentially right there with Thomas Jane going, what the fuck is actually going on? So Thomas Jane – so finally Saffron Burroughs sits everyone down and explains it, which we'll get to in a minute. But she explains it, and, every, and collectively, you can always hear people who have heard this – who have seen this movie, when they hear they go, oh, come on. And that, my friends, is when what? Deep Blue Seas got you. <laughs> That no way. The way Deep Blue Sea fucking hooks onto my fen in short shorts <laughs> is because it's animals murdering humans. I always <laughs> no, but so they lay it out right. That right. You're like, why sharks? Because it seems very arbitrary in a way. Sure. Then they they go on this whole medical spiel. Sharks never lose sight or sharpness of brain with aging. This and that. So we're cultivating all these brain cells. This is how we're going to relight up our They're essentially our brain, cultivating right? this enzyme from shark brains that will reignite neurons in human brain tissue to end Alzheimer's. Very noble cause. Saffron right. Burroughs is, has a personal stake. Very noble stuff going on here. And this sounds like boring, normal science. But what they do is they set us up, right? Thomas Jane has already defeated two sharks. It makes sharks seem a little bit puss. Yeah. You're like, okay, but then they set it up. How tall is that fence? The others hunt in packs, right? They give us this this innuendo that those sharks over there, I can't remember how Thomas Jane phrased it, but it's essentially like you took the most perfect killing machine ever, and then you've added in the desire to use those skills for fun. Right. That's where it hooks me, right? That's where it latches onto me to pull my uh, my license plate out of my mouth. Right. Because I'm like, oh, shit, sharks that want to kill us because we're playthings? Right. Now and, I'm in. And this is all preamble, essentially. Like, this is all Thomas Jane conjecture and Saffron Burrow the whole time is like, oh, you're crazy, whatever. Finally, we get to the actual testing. And this is where Samuel Jackson's watching. So all these, uh, they bring one of these gigantic, uh, like, it's a huge shark also. Like, Super shark. A, an oddly large shark. And everyone's like, well, that's kind of strange. So and Thomas Jane again. <laughs> Thomas super Jane. fucking wrangler, right? So he's in this mesh net, and we can see that the sharks are attacking it at a certain point. Right. Right? They're coordinating to attack him in this tube. And then what we know is that the shark is smart enough. The third shark is out taking out all the surveillance cameras. Yep. So the sharks know audio video technology. <laughs> this is a sign they're too smart. Sharks understand. So Thomas Jane, in the most inexplicable of decisions, is like, there's no lights. I can't figure out what's up. I'll swim out of safety. Into the pen with the super sharks. And you're like, oh, he's fucked. Yeah. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, he does the old classic strips down butt naked. <laughs> right? Or no, he doesn't go butt naked. He takes his scuba stuff off. Right, yeah. So the shark hits his scuba gear. Ah! And then, patunk, he's fucking rope-a-doped it. Because the shark can't tell electrically the difference between a scuba tank and Thomas Jane. <laughs> so- Thomas Jane again. And there's a great shot as the shark is being, he's got it. And as they're elevating it up of Thomas Jane just sitting there like he's riding like a wind glider <laughs> on the ocean and everyone just looks down on him. Samuel L. Jackson, by the way, who constantly plays the most manly man in every movie he's in. Yeah. Literally just mouth agape like, 
that is one bad motherfucker. Right. That is a bad. And that's kind of the, like, the lady scientist. Just again, he's doing the math. So not the only, shark will probably eat me instead of the scuba tank. Right. But if it doesn't, I'm talking ninety to ninety five percent ace yields. A, rin, a really <laughs> a really important <laughs> setup for later in the movie also is that Samuel Jackson not only is the lead shareholder of whatever company is paying for this research, but he also is a survivalist and he survived like basically a Donner Party experience. Uh, right, yeah, but he unveils that later, right? Because that's Thomas Jane's. Like, are you the only rich guy in history who has a clean, clean hands? You know what I mean? Yeah, there's uh, some. I mean, there's some like whole thing <laughs> where he like talks about it really quickly, and then um, right before his very wonderful speech, uh, before before certain things right. happen, uh, he gives a whole other version of the story, I guess. But regardless, so they've brought the shark up to experiment on it. Uh, they, by the way visually great set and for oh, how wonderful seemingly what would be a boring scientific moment they actually play the experiment out a lot longer than you think but yeah. it's done in a very visually captivating way to where i didn't get bored no it's shot very well like it's very fun to watch like so they extract this enzyme and then uh also and then this is something that always perplexed me was uh they have like a piece of brain tissue, which, by the way, once it's cut out of your brain, brain tissue dies pretty rapidly, I'm pretty sure. But regardless, they have this piece of brain tissue laying on a Petri dish. She squirts the enzyme very scientifically <laughs> on top of it like it's a fucking frosting coating. And uh-huh. uh, she's watching the uh, she's watching the neuro scan. And all of a sudden, <gasps> the neurons are firing. <gasps> Oh my God! It's a breakthrough. They figured it out. We so, can defeat Alzheimer's. We can now. defeat Alzheimer's. It's a wonderful, victorious moment. So victorious that Stellan Skarsgård in his highly pressurized uh, underwater laboratory <laughs> lights up a cigarette <laughs> and starts looking at very closely at the shark, like, "Nice job!" In that very Scandinavian way that means he's approving, but also still kind of sad about it. Standing there, and then all of a sudden. He still the, hates that they're American. Like yeah. even though they're his teammates and they're good enough, he's like, ah, but you're still American. You're still American. I don't like you enough. And then <laughs> and then the sedated shark, not so sedated, wakes up, leans over, and bites his fucking fi- his fucking arm off. The entire arm comes off. The shark eating and biting payouts in this movie are so good. It's so good. Uh, but yeah, so they he bites the arm off. Blood everywhere, right? This is one of my favorite things they set up for going forward in the movie. Thomas Jane immediately, he understands the plight. He's like, these people can't all do midwater acrobats and get away from sharks. This could get out of hand. (laughs) He runs for a gun. And as he's running for the gun, the scientist, who now has her results. Yeah. Right? She has her results. She doesn't need the shark in the lab anymore or this shark, period. Right? Presumably, the other sharks would do. As Thomas Jane's going to kill this shark to for the safety of the crew, boom, she hits the release button and lets the shark out. He's are you fucking nuts? This is something that comes into play. We see this woman who presumably, through noble cause, right? Noble pursuit of curing Alzheimer's, is uncaring towards what she just saw happen to her colleague. And the future of all of them, right? She chooses the shark, the monster shark, over the people. Right. Because now she knows she has the the proof to become economically viable, if not fortunate again. And it's it's a layer of depravity to her character that is persuas- pervasive throughout the rest of the movie that I, re- I really like that moment. It's... 
It's one of those great like because there's not really a reason. There's two other sharks, but because it's just that shark that definitely right. worked. I think her this, choice is so interesting. I think this is something that happens a lot in these animal attack movies we've been going through since we started this. Uh, since we started the pod and doing this curation this month is man, man is so much worse than any animal. Like animals are really the mechanism by which these stories uh, move themselves. However, man is always the person who draws first blood. Almost always. Like, yeah, I mean, you see the same thing in zombie movies, right? It's like who you're with, who you're trapped with is usually a bigger problem. And these people don't actually turn on each other a lot. No, but this one moment, if she doesn't do that, this could change the trajectory of the entire film. Right, She's truly the problem. That's the thing with the movie. And that's the thing about that's great about Deep Blue Sea. And sort of the oddly deep thing about the movie is that she ends up being much more of a problem than anyone else. Like that, that is really kind of the she her doing that one act damns them all, which is right. really interesting. And this is a movie of action set pieces. Right. The sets are phenomenal. The sharks are so good in this movie. The animatronic sharks, the CG sharks work. It's really good. They're played very well in this film. Right. So it's kind of an action set piece and and set up kind of film. Right. It is so fun and great. But this little wrinkle to me adds a little extra depth. Her character is the one that is most interesting to grapple with as the movie goes on. Totally. Yeah, so we go from the the bloody uh, laboratory scene to they open up the door. They're trying to evac this guy. Right. We open up and all hell is broken loose, right? It's a storm, a mega storm, right? It's water everywhere. They're getting blown around. They get Skarsgård on the stretcher. And again, great scene. Instead of going up, the helicopter wench breaks. He goes into the water. Instead of just flying up, they kind of hang there. Right. And then. (laughs) And a shark grabs the fucking stretcher and in one of my favorite scenes so then it's taut the helicopter can't fight back we see the the shark one of the next scenes so the helicopter gets pulled down into the base explodes causes huge amounts of damage kills janice soprano yeah what we see next the shark is swimming with stellan skarsgård face forward strapped to a gurney at full speed right yeah (laughs) towards the lab window and launches him like a battering ram towards and he's just wedged, embedded into this window that then breaks and becomes a huge thing. That's the so best. So again, this is how sharks, how smart these sharks are. They know he's he's bait. They know he's on something hard enough to help break glass. Right. They know that with this cord, they can throw a. They swim around for a minute, so presumably they can throw a helicopter onto the proper structural engineering point. These sharks are way smarter than we were led to believe. They're not mildly enhanced. They are smart as shit. They're like right. So then this gets us to another deep layer of the lady scientist um, depravity, right? So, is that we find out later her and Skarsgård actually broke the Harvard agreement, right? They and that did, they've not only been increasing but genetically altering these things, right? That's ba- the difference. Basically, what they did was um, they broke some laws and did some gene therapy because they weren't getting the amount of enzyme of the brains they needed. So what they needed to do was enlarge their brains. So. Uh, by the theory of things being bigger are better because the shark's brains got larger. As a result, they got smarter. (laughs) So, (laughs) so these sharks now are problem solving and, uh, planning attacks and coordinating their movements. Oh yeah. 
So now they're they're Jurassic Park Velociraptors now, right? Like, so that's really the, the what shark this is. throwing the doctor into the window is an awesome enough moment on its own. One of those kind of like I'll always remember that moments. But knowing that he knows exactly what he's doing, right? That not only is it a way to get in, but it's also a fuck you to all of them. Like right. I'm going to scare you a little extra too. That makes it great. Well, what's interesting? These sharks know what's interesting. Video is how surveillance. Much they know helicopters. But... They know engineering. Yeah. They know blueprints. <laughs> There's a lot of blueprints in civil engineering. Human behavior. Somehow these sharks have seen every blueprint in civil engineering book that they would even have for an underwater lab and know exactly where to uh, flush humans out so they can eat them. And that's kind of what ends yeah. up happening. Well, even as we, we start going deeper and deeper into the sea lab, we realize that they've wrecked the sub that's their getaway vehicle. Right. Uh, these sharks are hip to it. And... But that's that makes them better to me than your average animal attacks movie. I like the idea of the coordinated uh, kind of like SWAT tactics that these sharks end up using. It's kind of interesting. I mean, like this movie is this movie has like so these sharks start essentially what happens is they start flooding the base because they know yes. as long as there's no water in the as long as the the base is watertight, they're not or they're not going to be able to get in. So they start flooding. Uh, they start flooding levels of the base, and that's where we first meet the LL Cool J character who survives these uh, survives a couple of shark attacks, and actually, I believe, kills one at one point, which is pretty cool. Uh, oh, more than one. We'll get we'll get to all that. Yeah. So what they do is they essentially use Rapaport as a like like a Rain Man character, where they're like, <laughs> "What is it going to take for these sharks to get?" And he's like. Well, there's eighty five thousand pounds of pressure, and then this will snap like a blah blah blah, and then they're like, "Well, well, couldn't we get out this way?" Okay, who are you going to trust? Who are you going to trust? So they have Rain Man Rappaport. They're dragging around this whole movie, <laughs> telling them what's up. And then we cut to what feels like, I'm, I don't know if you agree, feels like an entirely different movie inside of a movie, <laughs> which is Priest, right? His, right. He, it's such an odd vignette. Priest, LL, LL Cool J's movements and uh, story. like it, it is like the B movie within the first movie. Like, he... At first, so he he has this whole thing in the kitchen where he they like somehow the sharks know how um, kitchen supplies work as well, and they try and turn on the oven. <laughs> and, uh, I don't think they turn it on, do they? I thought that was an accident. No, I thought it was on purpose. <laughs> oh, dude, I, I like thinking everything that happens is these sharks know it all. Right, that's what I'm saying. Like, I, if you don't, <laughs> if you think the sharks are just doing stuff by accident, that's the part that really upsets me. Is like, no, I, I like the moment too when they don't even let the subtext just happen. LL Cool J's like, I get it, the irony of being cooked in my own oven yeah. to no one except the audience. <laughs> I mean, he like he really is playing, but with himself, like he's playing off himself and that little parrot the whole time, which is why they like let him talk to himself. My favorite bit though that he has in the movie is where he thinks he's gonna die and he turns on a tape recorder he turns on a video camera <laughs> and he's like i don't know what my last words are gonna be and then he starts describing how to cook the perfect omelet and i'm like yeah he goes this this is my legacy now for the perfect omelet <laughs> <And he> starts- <laughs> this my friends is the best this is my favorite part of the movie he's i'm like this is so entirely out of context of the rest of the movie and makes no fucking sense because the entire time leading up to that, you're like, obviously LL Cool J is going to die. He's a fucking chef on uh, underwater base. He has no nautical or technical skills whatsoever. How could he survive? I'll tell you how. Rennie Harlan. That's how. <laughs> 
<laughs> Rennie Harlan oh, knows. They, you know what bothered me though is they they killed his parrot and they didn't even give him like the Wilson mo- Wilson. No, they just killed the parrot. Nothing. It's just the parrot dies so matter of factly. I was like, <laughs> I wanted that amazing moment of that that slow tear rolling down is the parrot's feathers are flying out of the shark's mouth and that's when he blows him. He up. like so clearly hated the parrot the entire time, which is probably my favorite part. Is this like? Only reason we were watching him, and then all of a sudden, the thing he was talking to the entire movie dies, and you're like, "Great!" Now the possibly racist animal sidekick gets yeah. murdered. <laughs> now we now we just have LL Cool J talking to himself for the rest of whatever movie he's in while we watch the other half of this. It's oh great! So he gets great. a shark though. What I love is he's in an oven with gas pouring in, and his way he gets out is by hitting metal against metal, and it never sparks and explodes. Yeah. Cuts an enormous LL Cool J size hole into the oven, jumps out, and then fucking throws the lighter back in just one of those classic slow motion action movies. Oh, yeah. But that's what I mean. The sharks work for me in this movie. They're fun. They're terrifying. There's also just something visually that this movie offers, and that's seeing sharks in enclosed human structures. Yeah. It's you know, really It's cool. one thing like, oh, we're in the middle of an open sea, and they can, like, you know... If, a 47 meters, right? Where they can come from everywhere. Right. Out of your line of sight. Seeing a shark take up an entire human hallway is fucked up and it's cool. It's something I had never seen before this movie. There's uh, so here's the thing too, that I love about this movie as well as uh, the sharks also wind up being smarter than humans. A lot of the time in this film. Uh, yeah. Even though this was the scene where, I mean, there's a gratuitous like Saffron Burroughs needs to get in her underwear scene. Where she uh, yeah. <laughs> she decides that even though she's wearing rubber shoes, which would ground her anyways, she takes her wetsuit right. off, off to stand on it so that she can electrocute a shark that's hunting her in her in her uh, uh, like aquatic home. So, and that's when she goes back to get the notes because again, right, again, she uh, is very motivated. Well, she tries to play it as I don't want them to die in vain, and it's like, bitch, of course they died in vain. Like, who are you fucking kidding? Yeah. That's what it is. And in the moment, though, when she electrocutes the shark, she melts her own floppy disk. Yeah. And I don't know about you, but to me, I was like, good, fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> like that, there's something about her character through the end of the movie that really bothers me, right? Well, Saffron Burroughs like is she's for a sure constant the villain of the bad movie. Guy. Yeah, and, and even when they're on their way out, she, she has these little moments of horrible gaslighting with Thomas Jane. Yeah. Where she seems to be leading him on like, oh, you know, like, I've always appreciated what you did. Maybe you can help me now. And then she'll turn around and do something like, I got to run for the files. It makes her out to be this super cold and calculating, manipulative person. She's like the Sam Neill of Deep Blue Sea, you know? Like, if, like, yeah. <laughs> like it's That's the exactly exact right. same vibe <laughs> Sam Neill has in Event Horizon. And then you watch, and you're watching Deep Blue Sea, like, Saffron Burroughs is doing the same thing the entire movie. Like, even, like, even. Getting her to the pressure chamber where they all like this is how they get out to the surface is they all like go into that um they go I'll go into that like uh submersible chamber and then they like explode out into the surface explode out to the surface. I would have left that bitch behind. I would have said, Nope, you're staying here, you're gonna deal with it, you're the bait. Like that's the whole point. And she ends up surviving almost the entire movie. Like she does yeah. Well, there's a whole there's a whole thing they do with her, right? Where right before people die, they seem to try to like leave her with one last haunting fuck you. Yeah. And then they'll die almost right after it. And she never seems phased by that, no. right? And that's something I wrote down is that at the end of the movie, her jump in with the shark tank, 
because I hadn't seen this in ages, and I thought she had survived too, and that was pissing me off. I'm like, how is this irredeemable piece of shit <laughs> who's actually not trying to do anything good going to make it? Right. So when she gets ripped in half, it's a very cathartic moment, but I was actually like, oh, shit, they got her. But I had a thought. When she jumped in the water, I was like, this is another fucking ploy. Right. This is going to be her. I know Thomas Jane can fucking rope a dope sharks. I know I'll be saved. I know he'll pull me like a license plate from the teeth. And then that was going to be her. See, I am one of the good guys. I was like, she's already building her fucking alibi. Oh, yeah. This piece of shit. She, and then the sharks eat her and throw all of that away. Right. But it was a really cool, had they let her live, that would have been one of those fun things to ponder with your friends for a long time of, did she actually try to save him or was she saving herself after the shark? Oh, yeah. She was. Again, that's mental math, right? If I make it out of here, I'm going to need some way to escape trouble. <laughs> there is one thing we glazed over and I do want to talk about it is Samuel Jackson's death scene in one this of the all time greatest scenes in a movie it's ever easily one of the best scenes in a movie ever we're, we're gonna have to sh- like I'll, I'll, we'll find the clip it's definitely available on YouTube we'll find the clip and put it up on like our uh, our Instagram or our um, our Twitter but like it is incredible uh, he gives this long speech about survival and like how everyone's going to survive like we're all gonna band together and work together and that's but how not we're only survive. that this is where he unveils the Donner family thing yeah so he he's tells like the story. we promised we never would tell anyone what happened but I'll break that promise now he's like only a couple of us made it and essentially like we ate we ate our friends yeah so he like we murdered tells and this, ate our friends. <laughs> he tells this fucking harrowing story about they how they fucking all turned into forced cannibals. <laughs> And explains how they're going to survive. He's like, what we're not going to do is panic. And then all of a sudden, a fucking huge shark explodes out of a water tank and eats that motherfucker where he stands. It drags him down and then the two sharks rip him in half. (laughs) (laughs) I I fucking love that they did this. It reminds me of Drew Barrymore in Scream, right? Like you hire a big gun and you're letting Samuel L. Jackson do what he does best because this isn't necessarily his type of performance. Right. Up until that moment, then you're like, oh, shit, he's turning the Samuel L. switch. I'm a cannibal who's going to take over this crew. You know, stand against me and I will eat you, motherfucker. And then out of nowhere, a shark eats him. And it's one of those great jump moments where you're like, I could never have guessed right. that was going to happen. You, with Samuel. Because you're like, any other character, sure. Not Samuel L. No. Jackson. And it happens. And, yeah, you, like, stand back. You're like, holy shit. This movie has taken a dramatic turn to another story. Like, now we have oh. to spend the rest of the movie with fucking Thomas Jane, Michael Rappaport, and <laughs> Saffron Burroughs. So yeah, it's Shark Wrangler, Rain Man, and the evil Judas. <laughs> All right, let's do it. All right. No, fine. I I I love when someone can actually play against expectations like that. Absolutely. It doesn't happen often, and oftentimes it would be hard to do. But the fact that they brought him in to do that, there's actually a moment for me where I was like, I felt like. <laughs> Had Samuel Jackson's character survived Jurassic Park, he would have become his character. (laughs) (laughs) This is Palmer had he made it. Or vice versa. These are like two brothers split. Oh man. Do you separated at birth? (laughs) Do you think maybe that was motivation for casting him in this movie though? Like this is like maybe that was his maybe that was the pitch they gave him, like, listen, this is your guy from Jurassic Park if he had survived. Maybe at that point they're like we don't know how many movies this Tarantino guy's going to make. Your career might stall out, but you can always be a meal for animals, Sam. Come on. <laughs> no, but yeah, I, I was just laughing. I was like, this is Palmer. He's Palmer again. 
hold on to your butt speech, and then he gets eaten. Then he gets <laughs> fucking eaten, like, terrifyingly. Like, it happens out of nowhere, and you're like, holy shit. <laughs> this movie just got kicked up, like, 20 notches. I, I mean. I love it. It's just an it's incredible. So it's an incredibly shocking and awesome piece of filmmaking. It's so, great. It's exactly like the first time I saw Scream. You're like, there's no way they murder Drew Barrymore. Right. Even as a young kid, you're like, well, that's against the rules. She's the only one I know in this movie. Right. I think that's what's interesting is like that movie. Scream's a really good example of like the movie that threw your expectations off. And this pretty much just takes it there and does the same thing. Uh, so... Fast forwarding back to the ending, which is now taking place on the surface. The shark is hunting them like they're all like playing. Basically, the shark's playing cat and mouse. Thomas Jane does his little rope a dope thing and gets speared through the leg. You forgot the most important part, though. They they roll out the shark's true motivation the whole time. Oh, shit. You're right. I'm was sorry. not to oh, actually get in and eat the scientist and have revenge. No, but to. Use the scientist to open more and more hatches right. so that the shark can escape to the highest level of the base, and then it can hit a non-titanium fence and escape out to sea, yep. where it will then proliferate it will own, genius sharks. It will own the open seas. It will make the ocean, once again, make the ocean intolerable for humans, which we by then <laughs> should all know, stay the fuck out of the ocean. Which sounds scary until you're like, oh, I just won't go out on the ocean. Yeah, exactly. Like, that's I'll fine. just be able to. In a billion years when those things are really smart and evolve legs, then I will be very scared. Yeah, then it's worth <laughs> then it's worth being fearful of. But until then, you know. But then they come out in their giant seaweed and bubble ships. Pew, pew, pew. That's, <laughs> that's a great sequel. I haven't seen Deep Blue Sea 2, but I'm presuming that's what happens. I'm assuming that it's I'm assuming what happens in Deep Blue Sea 2 is that it's just the origin story of street sharks. So, <laughs> oh, I wish street sharks wish they were this smart and cool. No, this has a great like. So, yeah, LL Cool J gets bitten by the shark and has a great moment where he uses his own crucifix. Oh, his yeah. faith protects him to gouge out the shark's eye. Right. He takes the Lord's power out. in his own hands. Just Yeah. And you're like, it's sad. He's still going to definitely die from bleeding to death. Right. For sure. No doubt about it. <laughs> But, you know, he did have a glorious uh, last moment where he stabs him in the face. And you're like, cool. All right. Doesn't he do a prayer, too? He does, like, a kick-ass, like, get you pumped up for the big game prayer? It's, like, half a prayer and half, yeah, like, a big day, big game day speech. Like, he's, like, stabbing it, and then he, like, ends it with, like, so I'll send you to hell, motherfucker, or something like that. I can't remember how it goes. But it's really, again, just one of those absolutely wonderful pieces of... uh pieces of filmmaking you're like holy shit i absolutely did not expect this <laughs> and they even this is what i like too because yeah you said they shot him with the wire right the wire is supposed to attach to a battery to then blow up the shark uh i can't remember the why the shark's eating something whatever yeah. or just the voltage alone but thomas jane gets anchored to the shark right his fate is <laughs> inextricable from the shark that he has helped make uh and then yeah he gets ripped off the shark is out of the cage and LL Cool J throws it on the battery, and the shark explodes a la Jaws, right? Great homage moment. And then they yeah, just kind of ends with the two guys just sitting there. Well, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> There's no, like, rundown or greater moment. It's just a, well, shit. And I think Samuel L. Jackson even says, get, or no, LL Cool J goes, get me back to the ghetto. <laughs> 
Oh my god, I totally forgot about that line. Oh, it's one of the great like. There's a lot of those in movies. I love the like. We're just kind of at sea. Fuck it. Let's just take a breather, right? Like they do that in a couple Bond movies where he's just out at sea. He's like, let's pull the blanket over and fuck on this boat. <laughs> you know. <laughs> so I love that. Just like, well, we beat the sharks and no one else is here. There's no more movie. <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> they just lay down. But yeah, so what would you summarize? If you had to summarize for someone who's never seen Deep Blue Sea, what are your final takeaways on this movie? The way I'd sell someone, if someone said, what is Deep Blue Sea about and how would you describe it as far as like making me want to see it? I'd be like, Jurassic Park, but in the ocean and a little dumber. Like that's like kind of like. (laughs) But the shark's a little smarter. But the sharks are smarter. I mean, like this movie is just so absolutely ridiculous, but also, it's one of those movies you're like, you get to the end, A, you're just fucking jacked from that LL Cool J track, which is my favorite like outro music of all time, <laughs> which I swear- Shock food. It's the, the lyrics are, and I'll white guy this right now, it's deepest, bluest. My hat is like a shark's fin. That, now, you were going hard before we hit record. You were hardcore rapping the this whole song. This is one of my all-time... They made, a, like, a making the video about this one. Like, this is, like, one of the all-time great, like, outro tracks of a movie. And then because you have LL Cool J, and it's LL Cool J when he was still... You like this more than the Anaconda track? Oh, by far. 100. What, like, that you Mac... think he just dominates Cube for the first time ever? What, that Mac-10 track? Absolutely. 100%. <laughs> I mean, like, this is just, like, oh, such a... Oh, that Mac-10? I thought that was Ice Cube. He apparently is a guest star on that Mac 10 track. Nice. But either way, this is like one of those jams that you're just like, how? Like, LL Cool J sat down and maybe with someone wrote these lyrics thinking. No way. Like, holy shit. No fucking way. (laughs) This came after the movie or like in between takes. He's sitting at the table with the extras and the racist (laughs) parrot. He's just sitting there like. And he's like, hey, racist parrot, you have any lyrics? Shark fin, shark fin. Yeah. <laughs> Deepest, oh, what's my, what's a shark fin like? Maybe it's like my head. Maybe it should be like my head. I mean, the head, shark fin, you know, that sounds How can head. I fully encapsulate what it means? The essence of a shark. Of course, <laughs> hat. My hat is like a shark fin because I like wearing hats. Like, this what I, is incredible. Yeah, what I would summarize this movie as is it is a, a great a uh, series of amazing sets, set pieces, and action payoffs. The sharks are really good. The kills are really good. It's a movie that is, above all else, very fun. Right. But in the great way that it always is taking itself very seriously. That is a hard act, right? To play oh, yeah. it completely razor straight and have it be so fun. Um. Yeah, I just think it's a great fucking time to put on with your friends. Oh yeah, I mean this Especially is especially a, a friend who hasn't seen it, knowing what Samuel L. Jackson has become. Yeah, this, even he was at the time, but even more now, this will be shocking. This to them. movie great for sure is movie. one of those things you're watching and you're like, whoa, like it's it's one of those things you sh- definitely shouldn't like sit there and seriously watch. Like you should have you. This is always a good group activity movie. You should watch it with friends because like the entertainment level of this movie is what's so much fun. Like the movie yeah. is worth watching. And yes, it's <laughs> schlocky and kind of terrible, but at the same time, like it's such a blast. Like it's such it's a good ul- time. Yeah, it's an ultimate stoner garage movie. Oh, hardcore. Because when you get high, like there's just enough of the explaining of the science. You're like, yeah, man, why don't we do that? Why wouldn't we want shock brains, man? And then when the fun starts, it's just great. <laughs> you're just like, oh my God. 
I I think this is just one of the I think it's a rare ability, right? That they took these disparate elements, played it straight, and got something that is this fun. That yeah. is an unusual alchemy for any movie to accomplish. This movie really has stood the test of time when it absolutely should not have. And that's really what the alchemy is here. Is like we're sitting here going, whoa. We're talking about this in 2018, and this movie came out in 1999. And we're still like willing to like <laughs> sit through it and entertain ourselves because it is an entertaining movie no less. It does a lot really well. Yes. It's what it's like one of those classic adventure uh adventurers getting caught by their environment films. Yeah, it's great. That, that delivers so much fun. And the sharks are great. I mean, I don't know. I, I like this movie. I don't I don't understand uh what else you would want from this movie. I think it delivers everything that you would be promised by a trailer or a poster and then some. Totally. I liked uh also one one bit of trivia I do want to express. Thomas Jane swam with a shark for only one scene of this movie. And he was, <laughs> I read this and he was only allowed to do it after he completed all his scenes in the event that he had been fucking murdered by the shark. So like that hey, means that's that, just like, good producing. Like, that's good producing. <laughs> that is like solid producing knowing that one of the stars of your film could have been eaten at any time by a shark. And you're like, you know what? Let's get through this whole fucking movie first and then we'll do that. But also the fact that so many people, executives, crew, producers, and Thomas Jane himself have said, Deep Blue Sea is an altar where I'll sacrifice my life. <laughs> if I die, this will be worth it. <laughs> Years from now, it'll be so worth so it. Here's another fun shark. piece of trivia. This was the first movie Stephen King saw after he got run over. No shit, really? And he loved it. Yeah. He said he, he went in and he sat down and loved it the whole time. There was another a- fun piece of trivia. But yeah, so that's it, guys. That's Deep Blue Sea. Hope you uh, have watched it and enjoyed it. One more film to go in the Animals Attack the Pod Month, Congo. Oh, yes. Uh, that one's a lot. There's a lot to, There's unpack, a lot in to unpack in Congo. So I hope you'll come back and join us for that one. Uh, as always, guys, please subscribe to the show so you'll get all the newest episodes as they drop. Uh, please leave a rating and review. And if you really want to be kind and help us out, share it with a friend. If you're here, you probably love movies. Find another friend that does too. Pick something we've watched. Maybe they haven't seen. Watch the movie together and then listen to the show. Maybe they'll spread it on. This is how we can find more like-minded people for our conversations, guys. Um, And on top of that, an extra thing you can do, send us all your recommendations, guys. If there's stuff you really want to hear on the show, that's what we really want to talk about. Yeah, if you have like a curated, if you yourself have a curated list, send it our way. I'd be interested in seeing what someone else would come up with. We obviously have our own picadillos and our own stuff that we like to watch but if you have a list of like a combined total of movies that maybe come up with some sort of great theme send it our way maybe we'll maybe we'll make the show you know we'll throw you a little shout out and we'll make the show that month about your list yeah even one-off shows you want us to do anything like that guys as we go forward deeper into the show every month we will have voting on the themes we already have but guys we want anything that you're excited about and if it lights us up, we want to do that show. So so join in. Take ownership of this with us. Uh, and that'll be a really cool, fun way for us all to get together. Uh, also, if you have Letterboxd, the app, uh, we do have a Film Alchemist podcast uh, list. That's the name of the list. You can find it on your app. Uh, and if you follow that list, like it, share it with your friends, whatever, uh, that'll keep you abreast of all the movies that we are 
watching and have watched so you can stay ahead of the curve on watching things with us. Uh, that's all we got, guys. Thank you so much for getting deepest and bluest with us. Hat is like a shark's fin. Deepest yeah, may bluest. your week be like a shark's fin. May your I don't week. know what that means. <laughs> is that good? Shark's fin cure things, right? Well, no, shark's brain cures things. Shark's fin is just your hat. Shark's fin cures thing. Hard science outro. <laughs> 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 <laughs>